0: This week marks the actual 16th anniversary of the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, which I started 832 weeks ago, the first week of December of 2006. I've been doing it every week since then. I'm thrilled to have reached this milestone that I never could have predicted in 16 years. And as a birthday present to myself, I'm going to turn over the hosting duties to my good friend Mia Gosling, the creator of Good Tickle Brain, the world's greatest and possibly only Shakespearean web comic. Mia, thank you.
1: Take it away. Thanks, Austin. I have to say I'm I'm really impressed that your podcast is now officially old enough to drive. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Mia Gosling, three-thirds of Good Tickle Brain, the world's foremost and possibly only Shakespeare stick figure webcomic. And you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 17th year, number 832, happy 16th anniversary. What I want to talk to you about, uh, is is just how you've ended up in this ridiculous place where you've done over 800 weeks of podcasts. Uh, How, like, what was your impulse in getting started in this? Just an excuse to talk to cool people like myself?
0: You know what? That wasn't the impulse, but that has been one of the great discoveries of the podcast is the fact that it could be an outlet for fascinating conversations with other creators talking about what we do because it's weird that we it's weird that we do what we do but it's not like we sit around with a with in a room full of other creators going isn't it cool what we do you know and there's something i i I, we have met so many people on our travels in our touring uh, so many fascinating people who have not only you know, wacky adventures, um, but actually have insightful things to say about not only the art they create, but the impact that art has on the people they're creating it for. And that has become a wonderful discovery and kind of a teaching tool a little bit. I mean, I think it's, I think it's helpful for people to listen to, to, uh, just to go, oh, that's interesting. I had no idea that's how that was done or, Oh, that's really interesting. I'm not the only one who feels that way. <laughs> There's been, you know, it's kind of developed its own sort of community, which has been, a, again, a lovely surprise. We uh, we, we just started it bec- in 2006 because we had been running for almost 10 years in London, and then that those shows closed. And we didn't know when we would tour London again. And we thought, well, how can we still create some content for our fans um, in the U.K.? When we weren't we didn't when we didn't know when we were gonna be back, and we thought, oh well, this could be fun for our fans just anywhere. Sort of a as like bon- bonus features on a DVD. Remember DVDs, remember physical media. That's what we were thinking. That's what that was the initial impulse. And the idea was to make it short enough, heh, reduced enough, that I could crank something out every week, no matter where I was on the road. And thankfully that has proven to be the case.
1: Have you actually missed any weeks?
0: I have been late a couple of weeks due to traveling or um uh one horrible um uh, uh frenzied couple of days I actually my laptop was in uh in getting repaired you know and that was before I had a desktop so uh uh so I I've, I've I've missed a couple of weeks but I've always made them up
1: That's Incredibly impressive. As somebody who also has completely arbitrary self-imposed deadlines, I must admit that I have nowhere near that success rate. So
0: I'm very, very impressed. Well, and it's gone through a curve. It's gone through there. Have been many weeks where I've gone, oh my God, what have I what have I done to myself? But most weeks I really enjoy it. I mean, it because it's I'm not a DIY guy (laughs) at all. The only thing that I obsess about is the scripts that I write, you know, the clarity of the words, the, the appropriateness of the punctuation. And, and, and so when I do the podcast, you know, regular listeners will notice it's changed very little in 16 years because like I get a, I get into a groove and I want, I want it to change less and less from week to week. So I don't have to think about it over much. I only have to think about the content, not the form of the content.
1: Well, that's great. This is my first time interviewing anybody. I've often been interviewed, including by yourself, several times. But uh, it definitely requires a certain level of mental agility that I'm not quite sure I possess. So we'll see how this goes.
0: Well, I'm not at all concerned because when we when we first floated this idea to each other of you interviewing me, I I'm not concerned because I know you to be a sparkling conversationalist who can go wherever it goes. Um, and and I just know that you and I. Um, enjoy talking about all of this nonsense. you're 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 not one of those um artistic types who can't put a sentence together.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so like, okay, so that's sort of the genesis of the podcast. what What about you? You sort of have inherited the reduced Shakespeare company in many ways. Like you weren't one of the founding members of it. So you just sort of stepped in and this whole thing has become, one of your babies and i guess my question is were you actually into shakespeare before you got all wrapped up in this or have you just been faking it till you make it
0: <laughs> it's a really good question and and a fair one um I actually, I became obviously much more of a Shakespearean when I joined the RSC, but I was always reducing Shakespeare, not always, but for a very long time. One of my first assignments in my MFA directing program was to take a play and and do a five-minute version of it. And I don't know whether the assignment was to take a Shakespeare play or not, but I took much ado. And I reduced it to five minutes. And this was 1983. The RSC had only started performing Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet at Renaissance Fairs in 1981, and I didn't even know that. So, and then I started doing children's theater when I would do hour-long versions of Much Ado and The Tempest and Midsummer Night's Dream for an audience of largely five-year-olds. Um, <clears throat> and and so when I got the opportunity to join the RSC. The uh, that the, the idea of reducing Shakespeare was, felt like such a, a natural thing for me. But also the more I became, a, but the more I acted, and honestly, the more I was writing, the more I realized that Shakespeare is just at the root of so much of what we do. Not that he originated it, not that you know he invented it, but just that he almost anything that I think I've ever tried to write Shakespeare has probably already written some version of it and in iambic pentameter you know so so the the more I got interested in what I do the more I became interested in what Shakespeare does and how he did it then of course we wrote our book reduced Shakespeare the complete guide for the attention impaired abridged which in the wow right around the time I think yeah 2006 right around the time that we were starting the podcast and then we wrote pop-up Shakespeare so and now I'm writing these essays for the Folger so I mean it's been I've been able to I guess fake it till I make it but also learn on the job Yes, my RSC uh, co-artistic director, Reed Martin, and I inherited it from the three original guys, um, but we we call ourselves the new originals, <laughs> the new original creators of the RSC, because I think we have taken it and expanded the reduced, you know, enlarged the reduced by continuing to write a a, a library of. What's the word? A repertoire of plays in the reduced style, and in the reduced style, and also spin it off into books and scripts and uh, podcasts.
1: It, no, it's been really interesting to watch sort of the development of the RSC um, over the years because, yeah, you started out with the core Shakespeare play, and then he went away from Shakespeare and he did all these other reductions. And now you've come back to Shakespeare again, so <laughs> yeah, it, seems, it seems like Shakespeare just keeps pulling you back in.
0: It, exactly, as the, as they as Michael Corleone said so famously, um, uh, yeah. Well, we realized uh, we re- that, uh, we. We we were writing the American History Show, the Complete History of America Bridged, right when I joined the company in '92, because at that point people, uh, book, bookers, uh, venue managers had started to say, "You guys are great, but you're a one-trick pony. It's a it's a great trick, but what else do you have?" And so we wanted to uh, reduce other things, not just Shakespeare, and we realized or rationalized, I suppose that you know other big theater companies with Shakespeare in their name don't just do Shakespeare and we thought well we don't have to do just Shakespeare um and there was talk especially in the late 90s and early 2000s of oh maybe we should change our name um to something that doesn't have Shakespeare in it because Shakespeare turns people off um but by that time we were ex- we were sort of um uh, set people knew us i mean what l- what little um what little reputation we had, we were known as the Reduced Shakespeare Company. So we thought, well, why change it? Um, and also we all, again, rationalize that Monty Python's flying circus doesn't have anybody named Monty in it. They don't fly. They aren't, they aren't, there are no animals. <laughs> and uh, what else? Oh, and there are no snakes. Yeah, no, don't mess with a good brand when you've got it. (laughs) Well, indeed. Well, and that was sort of the uh, evolution of the podcast as well, because we thought it would, initially we thought, oh, it'll just be something that we do, like we're backstage at a show. We'll just talk for 15 minutes and we'll just bullshit and whatever and play sketches or do sketches. We're not going to write new stuff because that's too much work. Um, But then it became clear that, wait a second, we meet all these interesting people. Could I possibly talk to somebody else? Sure, I could. And that's what that's been an, another lovely gift of the podcast too, or discovery about it, I suppose, is that we can feature other voices. You know, I, God knows, I mean, th- this episode um, notwithstanding, I really do get tired of my own voice, and I love hearing other people's. Oh, well, we never get tired of your voice, Austin. Ah. <laughs> As far as I know, I'm Weird Al Yankovic. You're listening to Tim Minchin. Hi, this is Cory Booker. Hi, this is Octavia Elise.
1: Hi, I'm Ann Haitian. Hi,
0: I'm Scott Simon of NPR News. Hey, I'm Eric Stonestreet from ABC's Modern Family. Hi, this is Scott Bakula.
1: Hi, I'm Kate Chichenor. I'm Austin's mother.
0: Hey, this is Joel Murray, Freddie Rumson from Mad Men. Hi, I'm Warren O'Donnell. My name is Devon Glover, also known as the Sonnet Man. I'm Michael Whitmore, director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C. Hello, my name is Nicholas Parsons.
1: Hi, I'm Rachel Jatt.
0: This is Christopher Moore. Hi, I'm Ken Ludwig. Hey, I'm Reed Diamond.
1: Hi, this is Mia Gosling, creator of Shakespeare webcomic Good Tickle Brain.
0: This is David Keckner. Hello, folks. This is Mike McShane. Hello, I'm Adrian Scarborough. Hi, I'm Matt Walsh of the Upright Citizens Brigade. Hi, I'm Brian Dennehy, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company, Company, Company podcast. podcast. Quality of mercy is not strained. It's sprinkled from above like the. No. <laughs> Where can you RSC the RSC? We have no more performances left in 2022, but in the first half of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of Comedy Abridged in Indiana, Pennsylvania. That's a city named Indiana, Pennsylvania, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Fort Worth, Texas, Reston, Virginia, the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey, and Basalt and Lone Tree, Colorado. Check out the touring page at our website reducedshakespeare.com or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with my friend Mia Gosling, longtime RSC watcher and creator of Good Tickle Brain, the world's foremost and possibly only Shakespeare-themed stick figure web comic.
1: But I will say that having listened to this podcast for several years, I really do appreciate uh, branching out and being able being introduced to different artists, different writers, and I've I've sought out books by people you've interviewed and tried to find productions by people you've interviewed. So it's been a really great sort of introduction to a whole world that otherwise might have passed me by. So good job. <laughs>
0: uh, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I mean, the other thing about it too is so much conversation. Maybe I don't, I'm not sure if it's true, quite as true anymore. But it certainly felt like in the mid 2000s, so much of the conversation about art and literature and theater was took itself way too seriously. And um, so many of the people, so many of the artists I know are not that serious are not just sort of smelling their own exhaust as 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 it has been said um you know they they there's a self deprecation amongst i think the greatest of artists just to know look it, whatever we're doing it's just a school play right you know and there's a there's a there it, it's fun to be able to talk about the process of creation uh, that's illuminating while at the same time demystifying the so-called magic or genius of it it's not it's hard work it's it's not hard work it's but it's work
1: I, yeah and i think for someone like myself who's outside of the theater world it's always so exciting to hear about the process of creating a piece of theater from writing to directing to acting to producing to Uh, props to to fight choreography and you've had all those people on and it's it's so great because this is something that to me is slightly mysterious it's always Mm -hmm. been I I go to the theater and I sit down and I watch and like oh wow how did they do all that how how did that happen and so it's it's a pleasant version of learning how the sausage is
0: made good (laughs) good yeah um Oh, I had some thought. I was gone. It's gone though.
1: I always feel like Polonius. Like by the mass, I was about to say something.
0: <laughs> See, but this is a skill that you have. This is a this is a party trick that you have. You are able to pull quotes from Shakespeare in a way that I don't have. I I mean, I I have a couple that I return to frequently, but you just quoted Polonius like it was nothing.
1: Oh, this is I mean that is that is in fact one of one of my favorite meta theatrical lines in Shakespeare because because you're just completely sold in the moment that the actor's actually forgotten what he's saying
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and you're like is that is that in the script is he just covering for the fact that he forgot the line and and so many people have been fooled by that line I just love it but one thing Anyways. but
0: one thing you did say about the sort of the the mystery I'm watching the theater but I don't know how how it's done there is a sort of mystery. To maybe it's maybe all art, but theater certainly because you work, you work, you work, you work at it, you craft it meticulously, you try to make it happen just so. And then the trick is to pull it off as if you were making it up on the spot and going behind the scenes of that trickery, I think is really interesting because it's a fantastic skill you know d my wife um uh, uh, improvises and in such a way that it looks like it's been scripted like they sat down and thought about it we take a script that we've rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and try to make it look like we were improvising it in the moment
1: yeah that's a great observation which hadn't struck me but yes absolutely the the level to which all your shtick and offhanded one lines and everything that feels improvised is actually very meticulously scripted and rehearsed and planned and that yeah so the the sort of trickery that goes into making that feel so spontaneous and then that happens in Shakespeare too it's like how do you make a Shakespeare line that you've heard you know five dozen times suddenly sound like oh you're just thinking about at the moment and it's it's so rewarding for me as an audience member to go and see that happen on stage. Like I just saw a production of Hamlet up at the Stratford festival, which, you know, I've seen dozens of Hamlets and I'm just, I thought I was like, Oh God, another Hamlet. And I'm so burnt out. And I went and saw it. I was like, Oh, it's like, it's like a whole new play. It's the the choices they made, the acting, everything was just fresh. And, And so, yeah, that, that particular part of theater making is very exciting to me. And that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about the RSC shows is whenever i go and see them i'm like oh how much of this is actually in the script and almost all of it is
0: well and 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 you're a great judge of that because you know a little bit about how the sausage is made so if it if it's working on you that's a really good sign
1: ah well i'm a soft
0: touch that's true too <laughs> so
1: recently you've done these two new plays on shakespeare shakespeare's long lost first play bridge and now hamlet's big adventure what prompt, uh, so Shakespeare's long lost first play, Abridged, was very different from the other reduced productions in that it was a continuous narrative and it was all in iambic pentameter and um, sort of, but again, the idea of taking all of Shakespeare's plays and mashing them into one uh, production. But with Hamlet's Big Adventure, you're taking yet another step away from the classic reduced formula and you're telling just one story and it's not. From Shakespeare's plays, it's a prequel to Shakespeare's plays. So, what prompted you to sort of diverge from the standard RSC format like this?
0: Um, uh, I think what prompted us was the 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 amount of fun we had writing the pop up book. We had so much fun playing with Shakespeare's narratives in the pop up book. Um, we wanted to stay kind of in that world, and also we had begun with. Sort of, I guess maybe all the great books abridged were uh, and completely Hollywood abridged. um well, I guess what happened was we saw in completely Hollywood abridged, we had created a narrative that lasted the entire second act. The entire second act was now a single narrative that we were uh, enacting. And usually, the shows prior to that were always always a series of sketches or longer bits, like Hamlet in the complete works or um or Spade Diamond in the complete history of America, or War and Peace for the last 10 minutes of all the great books abridged. Um, But when we did that complete narrative and completely Hollywood abridged, then we went into, then we did the sports show, but then we did the Christmas show, uh, hard upon the, 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 the sports show. And in the Christmas show, we had a narrative where the entire evening was an event that we had to improvise. And it was it was crafting that uh, uh, crafting that narrative that we began to think maybe we could do an entire story from beginning to end. And what if we applied it to Shakespeare and the the inspiration for Long Lost Shakespeare? The immediate inspiration was that we I got a tour of the Folger Shakespeare Library and D asked what would be if you were doing a Da Vinci Code, what would the what would the treasure be? And it was a a, a, sh- a manuscript in Shakespeare's own hand, which we've never found. Before And the light bulb went on. Oh, and I said, I, I I said that to Reed what, God, we could just write that. And he said, yeah, and it could be, uh, and it could be 100 hours long, because he's a young playwright doesn't know what he's doing. That's why we have to reduce it, I said, and it could be his, and it could be his first play, you know, so, so it was there, it kind of the whole, the whole basic structure of that show was done right there in sort of that initial conversation. And then we wanted to stay with the Shakespeare for Hamlet's big adventure, and we just thought, what's what's the most fun we can have? Honestly, we thought Hamlet's big adventure, a prequel, would would be with Hamlet and Ophelia as kids, like we'd be in, we'd be coming in on our knees, walking around, you know. Um, uh, and my thought was, God, what if Tom Stoppard wrote Muppet Babies? But then we just thought that that would be unsustainable over several hours. Um, and also, it seemed more interesting to try to make the events of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, come right up to the beginning of the events of Shakespeare's Hamlet. That seemed more comically interesting and and honestly, more dramatically interesting. Um, We do know that our next show, whenever we get to writing a new show, it will not be Shakespeare-based. Uh, I chose the word based, it might be Shakespeare inspired, but that I don't think that will be obvious from either the subject matter or the show. You,
1: you can you can argue that anything can be Shakespeare inspired if you work hard enough at it. True.
0: Fair. Yeah. Well,
1: I have not yet seen Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, uh, but I'm hoping to uh, this week. Hoping to? That <laughs> I, sounds... I'm planning to.
0: I'm planning to. Well, and when this drops, you will have seen it.
1: Excellent, but one of the reasons I'm excited to see it is uh, one of the things that I enjoy about Shakespeare are all the things that are not shown and all the sort of space there is in Shakespeare to create your own story. So, in, like in Hamlet, yeah, what what happened before? Like, what how how did all this develop? Where did how did things get to be the point that they're at? And I think every single play has those nooks and crannies and unfilled in spaces. That are really fun to explore, both you know, for comedic potential as I do, but also just to think about, you know, character development. I just saw, you know, a production of, of All's and just like the number of unfilled in spaces there is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, so I really enjoy that you've taken some empty spaces in Shakespeare and chose to fill them in. I'm really excited to see that.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. You can and should follow Mia Gosling on Twitter and Instagram at GoodTickleBrain. Then send us your birthday wishes and any suggestions for which direction you think the podcast should head in the next 832 episodes via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. Or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com, or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to the Jiminy Cricket of this podcast, from the very beginning, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Matt Laserwitz. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to the famous non-famous and infamous friends and artists living and dead who have graced this podcast and shared their time and artistry with all of us over the last 16 years and as always thanks very much to you for listening please continue to stay safe get your boosters and keep your masks on i'm austin titchener 832 2496 of the reduced shakespeare company Mia Gosling, you've now seen Hamlet's Big Adventure in person. What did you think? What's your review? Well,
1: I, 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 it exceeded my expectations.
0: Wow. Your expectations were pretty high, I'm guessing.
1: Yes, indeed. And astonishingly, you've exceeded them.
0: And, and, and uh, 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 you were with a great audience. Were, were the cuts deep? Were they well appreciated?
1: I was actually surprised at how much the audience was eating up a lot of the deep Shakespeare cuts, quotes from random plays, Hamlet foreshadowing. They were with you from the beginning to the end, and I was surprised.
0: It's, I, I guess it speaks to the uh, East Lansing audience, doesn't it? The, the highly attuned Michigan audience.
1: Well, obviously, we're all very much on top of our classical references here.